Welcome to God in Company, a weekly podcast hosted by the Office of Youth Ministry at St. Anne's Church in Union City, California. God in Company is inspired by the scripture verse from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 20. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. We're recording this seventh episode on a cold, wet, and wintry day outside. So we're thankful to be inside in the comfort of a heater and three close friends. Co-hosting this episode is one of those friends, Stacy Sarmiento. Stacy, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks, Jim. This episode is the first of our alumni series, Once in St. Anne Youth Ministry, Always a Part of St. Anne Youth Ministry, where alumni have the opportunity to share their own experience and stories of being a part of the program through youth ministry, confirmation, and or Emmaus Peer Ministry. Today, we are joined by Miley Suarez and Collins McCulley, and we'll go ahead and let them say more about themselves. Thank you, Stacy. It's good to be home. Um, as Stacy and Jim said, I was in youth ministry in 2012 to 2013, so that was about eight years ago now. And um, after youth ministry, I was in Emmaus while I was in confirmation, and I was also an Emmaus peer minister. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Collins, and I was a part of Emmaus from 2006 to 2017. And I was, and currently I'm part of the confirmation staff um, here at St. Anne's. One of the sayings that we've held on to throughout the years is, especially along with peer ministry, is once in Emmaus, always in Emmaus. But that holds true both for youth ministry and confirmation. And I think the the young church family that we've established here at St. Anne's. So we're looking forward to hearing um, what will be shared and your both of your experiences in today's episode. So let's get started. I'll ask both of you, what was your experience like when you first began youth ministry and throughout your years in the program? Miley? I would say I was very anxious to start youth ministry if I think about the first time that someone told me about youth ministry at at St. Anne's I was very hesitant because um, I went to St. Clement for middle school and being from a Catholic school compared to everyone that's the majority of um, St. Anne youth ministry like students they are from Union City and so being from a small Catholic school in Hayward I felt like I wasn't going to know anyone but after warming up to Monday night and coming every Monday, I really grew into my place here at church. Um, so when, when I started youth ministry, I was honestly terrified because I did not know anything about youth ministry or anything like that. I was already heavily involved in the church through altar serving and through St. Anne's Festival and the ushering uh, ministries um, during Mass that I didn't know anything about youth ministry. I honestly did not know what youth ministry was about, nor did I know that I even had to be confirmed. Um, and so when I was invited to join youth ministry, although I was a year late because I was actually invited as a freshman um, in the month of October, but back then we weren't allowed to have late registrations, <coughs> Jim. Um, the, uh, so I ended up having to wait a year in to join youth ministry in my sophomore year. I think for me is it's kind of similar. I honestly didn't know what I was getting myself into because all my mom said was, hey, you have to go to church on Monday nights in order for you to get confirmed. And I didn't really have a lot of friends that I knew was that was going into youth ministry. So I was kind of nervous and I didn't think I would like fit in. But over time and being able to uh, warm up to youth ministry, like I started making a lot of friends and some of these friends I'm still pretty close to. One of the things I was thinking about as each of you were sharing was that (laughs) knowing that it is a challenge sometimes to come into the youth ministry meeting on a if you're not part of a part of a group or a majority of a group like Miley said from St. Clement 
Um, and knowing that given the, the makeup of the parish and everything, that the majority of young people in the program are from Logan. But the idea has always been that once we're here on a Monday night, there's not a, there shouldn't be, I, I guess sometimes that's a pipe dream. There's not a, a Logan faction. There's not a Moreau faction. There's not a Washington or American high school faction, but that we're one group. Um, and I, I think that's the idea in maintaining a young church community of saying that while we come from different areas, we're still part of St. Anne's Youth Ministry. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, looking back in my times of going through youth ministry, I know I've, I've faced some struggles uh, in my youth ministry year. Uh, how about you two? I think for me, um, the hardest part about joining youth ministry was being older and being the one that was where all my technical friends, they were actually already in the confirmation program when I was starting. So for me, I didn't really have a group of friends that I knew, but then also I joined youth ministry with my sister who was a senior at that time. So all of her friends were actually already in Emmaus and they were leading the group. So it was kind of a weird dynamic for me and my sister because not only was were we both older, but we identified with the other side of the group, not the youth ministry aspect versus um, just having the amount of people that we knew as our friends in the same group going through our same experiences. I think for me, one of the biggest struggles was knowing that there was going to be a long-term commitment, right? Because going into youth ministry, I knew that every Monday night I was going to be here at church. And then the following year, I was going to be confirmed if that's the route I chose to go. And I think thinking back on it, like as a teenager, <coughs> that's a lot to kind of ask of someone. And I just kept thinking like, what if it is, this isn't for me? Am I gonna be wasting all this time mm. in this program? If at the end of it, I, I figure out I don't actually wanna be confirmed, but I think that's what was pushing me to go to Monday nights because I wanted to know if this is something I wanted to pursue. And like, I just kept asking myself like, am I, investing the right kind of energy and my time into going to Monday nights and fortunately I did and so even though it was the biggest struggle it was also the biggest thing pushing me to go to Monday nights that's cool I think for for me um outside of church like basketball was life like I was so committed to like all right we got workouts we got practice we have a game and it was like a daily thing and Outside of that, I've never really been involved at church besides being an altar server. So I didn't really know too much about what's the process of like getting to confirmation. To be honest, retreat was my first overnight experience without family. And like pretty much I would sleep over at like my cousin's house and stuff like that, but that's not the same versus like going on a retreat experience where mm. And back then, I went on retreat in October. We had youth ministry retreat in the fall, not in the winter. So, like, I, it was a month into youth ministry, and I'm, like, forced to go on this overnight <laughs> and really be uncomfortable uh, in that setting, like, not knowing what to expect. And honestly, that retreat just changed my whole outlook on what my faith can be and how to grow it through through relationships, right? So it prepared me to to confirmation and but at the same time I still struggled through confirmation too um, did you have any type of struggles with confirmation as you joined I, I still remember my youth ministry retreat because my youth ministry retreat was the last one in October that um, the mm -hmm. program did and when you talked about that I just had a flashback to the retreat because we had um, one of the um, one of the peer ministers on the retreat, her name was Ann Ann, and she literally came in to um, the retreat center dressed as a lollipop, and she put two trash can lids on her head upside down and wrapped it in cellophane, 
and we all had these little mini pumpkins and we were like dancing around the main room like i i was just like a weird flashback but I have then no memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like retreat and youth ministry um really truly prepared me to for confirmation because confirmation was honestly one of the harder parts of my life um the right mm. before um my confirmation retreat my mom two days before we, we were to leave my mom actually got sick and was diagnosed with um end-stage renal kidney failure and so the, my whole retreat for confirmation I was just kind of just in this daze of what was going on. Um, and earlier that year, I had lost my last remaining grandparent. So the year from youth ministry into confirmation was just like a lot of loss and a lot of pain. And youth ministry and confirmation allowed me to have a place to express that pain to have a place of positive output. And it, and, and it gave me that knowledge to recognize that I can turn to my faith during these times. I think for me, I think something that's hard to even think about a struggle through confirmation is that I felt like I was always on the go. Like Stacey, you were saying, like you always had basketball and basketball was your life. I had student government and I had cheer and there were times where I would come to youth ministry having like three full bags and sometimes I still do I have two bags with me today and I think part of the struggle was that I had so many things going on that I that I forgot to like pause a lot and so retreat I felt was never um not really a struggle for me. So if the question is like, oh, were there any struggles going through confirmation or confirmation retreat? I feel like church was the place for me to really take pause mm. and get away from everything else and leave everything literally at the door, leave all my bags here at the door. Um, but if there's a common thread concerning my struggles throughout youth ministry and confirmation, I would say it was definitely my relationship with my parents. And that's something I struggled with a lot throughout high school because I couldn't even tell you. I don't know if it was just me being like a moody teenager or the fact that I had a lot of like younger siblings and I felt never, I, I felt maybe like a little forgotten, but um, I, I just never could find the right groove or relationship with my parents. And that's something that a lot of activities on Monday nights and the retreats, um, they helped me examine my relationships with my parents especially and so even though I struggled a lot with it um, I had to go through the program to get over those struggles with them yeah I think looking back to right before my confirmation year uh, I was asked to play in the summer uh, play with varsity and for James Logan high school and at that time like our girls program was really strong and you only got invited to play with varsity if, if you're really good. So I was really excited. <coughs> and unfortunately, I was at Summer League, and I just remember being on the bench, and Harper was like, I need someone to like step up. And he looked down the bench, and I was like, I'll go in. And he was like, all right, let's go. So I subbed in, and pretty much uh, I had to run the point guard. I took two dribbles left, crossover, and pop goes my knee. And I tore my ACL. I ended up tearing my ACL. And the funny thing was, I remember uh, the, it was at Chabot, and some of the football players that were there that um, worked during the summer league games had to carry me out to my mom's car. And I was like, all right, it's just a sprain, right? And as I went to my appointments, I felt like I found out more bad news after each appointment. Mm -hmm. And I really struggled with that. And then... I just remembered in the summertime, I was like, all right, I need to get ready and recover from this injury. And I was like, okay, but how, what is that gonna look like? And I was starting confirmation and I really that really tested my faith. And I was really, I was really upset with God. Like if that was the clean version of things, like I was really upset with God. And 
I couldn't figure out like why was this happening you know and I remembered we had to go to this youth rally at I think this was the first one too it was at St. Leander's Mm -hmm. and we had to take BART and I'm like great I'm gonna be on crutches I have this big knee brace how am I gonna get from BART to the church and then there was like an all-day thing and there was a dance I was like okay I don't dance so what am I gonna do like I just felt like I was just really struggling with it but for some reason as I started to open up to to the workshops to everything I was like wow I'm actually having fun at youth rally and then I remembered specifically at the dance one of my friends Ingrid she was like I don't really want to go inside do you want to just hang out and we ended up staying outside of the gym and talking forever and like I I just remembered like wow like I can't believe like I'm having a good time having my friend here helping me through and understanding like okay God has a plan right and I was like okay I guess I should just trust it and then it wasn't until like confirmation retreat where I started feeling like whoa all this is starting to make sense what the heck like and by the time confirmation was ending I was like what am I supposed to do after confirmation and that's where like the whole uh, Emmaus thing came up. Um, Clara, she was my teacher. She was like, hey, you should uh, consider doing Emmaus. And I was like, what's Emmaus? And then she's like, remember those leaders on on your Monday nights during youth ministry? I was like, oh yeah, like some of those people were pretty cool. Like uh, I remember one of my leaders, uh, Julian, she, she, one of the icebreakers was like, you had to like say a random fact about you. And then she was like, I could tie my shoelaces, but not the, loop swoop or pull or the bunny ears and I was like there's a way to tie your shoes like that and she did this crazy thing where it looked like she just wrapped the shoelaces around her finger and then like pulled and like it was tied and she did it really fast so I was like (laughs) whoa like I was really amazed and I think what I started to realize through confirmation was like being able to see God through people and that trusting him like there there's a plan and as long as you keep on believing, right? And I think without that invitation to join Emmaus, like I wouldn't have, I'm actually still in Emmaus since I think like 2004. So it's kind of weird that I've continued onto that. Jim, did you want to add on to that? Well, I had a couple thoughts. One, as each of you talked about your own individual situations, you know, I, Collins, I, I distinctly remember the struggle you and Jackie were going through with your mom and right before retreat and that we talked about whether or not to go on retreat and thankful that you did, but also recognizing the internal struggle that you had to deal with through that time. I'm gonna jump forward with Miley a little bit because I remember right before confirmation, you broke your elbow. Oh, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you remember. Well, I I remember because there was disappointment in your eyes of having to be confirmed with a cast on. Mm-hmm. And I I remember and the reason I remember, well, it was it was pole vaulting, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I I recall that because I remember when my my nerve tore in my elbow and, and there were things that I couldn't do, and I was just really disappointed and have, and I felt self-conscious wearing this cast all the time, and I just, you know, and so whenever anyone is injured, um, especially in the sense of when it becomes your arm, and and yours was a, a pretty good break, and there mm-hmm. was surgery involved, yeah, um, that I re- I recall that, but I thought you did that with such grace. Oh, thank that you. I was really touched <laughs> at, at that. Um, and Stace, obviously I remember your knee. Um, and I remember a conversation that we had about whether you should go out again for basketball. And I think I, I said, if you don't, you're always going to ask yourself, what if? And so to at least to be able to answer that question, whether or not you were able to continue playing or not, you would you would be the one to make that determining factor and not just the idea of, well, I can't do it. So um, I think the other thing I I thought of as you were talking about different programs is how important the idea of welcoming 
has always been to me in relation to ministry that, well, as you talked about Ann-Ann at the retreat and, and the youth rally, God shines through different people in different ways. And we're, we don't always know that. But it's through the relational aspect of ministry where we're able to interact with people on a different way um, that helps us see the life situations that we're in. Miley, you spoke eloquently about your mom and dad. You know, that teenagers go through um, ups and downs, obviously, with their moms and dads. And it isn't always a quick fix, but it takes sometimes internalizing those things and being able to say, maybe I need to look at it a different way in order to understand that. And maybe, you know, it's not always they're the ones that are wrong, that I could be wrong sometimes too. Um, so I, I think through ministry, but most importantly through the relational aspect of ministry and and coming to understand that we have a relationship with Jesus, but it, that it's we can experience that through other people. It isn't always like the only relationship I have with Jesus is going to Mass on Sunday and seeing the priest raise the host. That Jesus mm-hmm. becomes human. And it and he becomes human not just in other people, but in ourselves as well. So that the Jesus that shines through both of you, well, all three of you, um, is very real for other people as well. Well, I'm just like, mind Jim blown. said Jesus shines through me. We need to make sure this is actually on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Collins, Jesus, Jesus shines through you. It's a dim light. Oh, my <laughs> Man, Jim is so witty with these things. I'm like, he comes up with them like super fast. I'm here still trying to process that. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts? To anything that Jim, I don't, I think it's crazy that you could still like remember like those the specific things. moments. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about that, <laughs> I think we had that conversation in your old office. Mm-hmm. And whoa. That office is really small compared to this one. This one. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I don't know, Miley, I, I still remember that when I was asking you, I think, about the injury. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like pole vaulting? I and know. Yeah. I'm super clumsy. If, if I remember correctly, I think Jim made you elbow me with your cast. Probably. But some, I, Miley might have done that out like of her so. own, <laughs> on her own too, Colin. That's true. <laughs> oh man, I guess like mm. you know, I think the other part to to this podcast too is that both of you were also a part of Emmaus, and any I know right now we're talking about some of the struggles we face, but like I know later on in this episode we'll talk more about the other side of things. But what were some of the struggles that? as an Emmaus leader or, or either joining Emmaus that you felt you've dealt with? Okay, I can think of something very specific. So remember how earlier I said that in youth ministry I felt like I wasn't going to know anyone? So it's kind of funny because as soon as I came to Monday night, I, I saw some familiar faces because I, I knew some people from Union City, but the first the person I remember most that was – welcoming and like invitational in this way that we've been talking about was Marjess. Um, and I remember her being so welcoming and warm that as an Emmaus leader going into my confirmation year, I was so concerned about how I was going to emulate that same feeling because I knew what it was to be in- inviting, but I didn't know how to be. And I think that was one of like my biggest fears that I wasn't going to be able to do that for other people. And I don't know. I I think when we think about seeing Jesus in others, and it's it's kind of harder to think of yourself as like, oh, Jesus is in me, and I have mm. to reach out to the Jesus in other people. So that was really difficult for me. I think for me, um, one of the struggles of um, Emmaus was, in a sense, the notoriety that I had by being on the altar every Sunday. 
um, and people seeing me and honestly people thought I was like this stone cold mean person because they quote unquote would say that I was just mugging everybody during church and for people to kind of see that other side of me in Emmaus through Emmaus and see that I was able to actually relate to people um I know I've been I've went like going on retreat and seeing um people how retreats can get very emotional and people never expected me to be the one to be comforting them through their emotions because everyone was so afraid of me being so I guess stoic and mean that um I kind of used that as a I, I used that as a block in a maze so that I didn't get close to too many people because I was in the frame of if I get close to these people they're just gonna walk out of my life mm. and um with that and letting my guard down over the years and allowing myself to really embrace what Emmaus was of being welcoming and allowing um, Jesus to shine through you, I, I realized that I've made some of the some of my best friends through Emmaus and I've gone through countless experiences with these people that I honestly probably should never have ever been through if I if I didn't go through the program and like it was a very big challenge for me to let that wall down but after um it took me several years to be able to break that down but once I did I was able to really enjoy Emmaus a lot more I remember my first year in Emmaus my sister was in youth ministry and I remember thinking like, okay, what am I supposed to do as an Emmaus leader? And then the other factor to it was like, oh man, my sister and her friends are the, like the students, like it's that first batch for me. And everyone just knew that, oh, Michelle has an older sister, Stace, like, and they would have this image of me of being like really cool and stuff like that. And I felt like that was kind of pressure of like, okay, do I need to live up to what these people think of me? Um, and then on top of that, I was like, oh dang, like I don't want to ruin my sister's experience of her going through the program because she's Stacy's little sister. And it was weird because we weren't, me and my sister weren't really that close before that. I always just thought she was annoying and that you know, I had to drag her along wherever I needed to go. And the thing was, I was driving at that time already. So I became my sister's chauffeur. And my mom's like, oh, you guys have youth ministry? Uh, drive your sister. And then if you have to take Sarah, uh, who lived down the street from us, you know, make sure you bring her home too. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I just wanted to be there for myself or be with my friends. And now I have like this additional responsibility. But the crazy thing was like through that whole thing, me and my sister's relationship got better and I wasn't sure if it's it was because of the common thing of you know what we've experienced through youth ministry and also I think honestly I think I did mature enough to like realize that okay my sister's not annoying and all that and mm -hmm. that we actually do care and love each other and it was crazy because that was my initial struggle uh in being a with within Emmaus and Sometimes I would feel like, am I, am I good enough to be an Emmaus leader? Like through the mistakes that I've made, like personal stuff outside where I felt like, dang, I messed up again, or I messed up this time. And I felt like I was really critical of myself. And I think I still am, but now I'm starting to understand like, those are my growing areas and to be a better person and all that. Looking back, that was my first year that was my youth ministry year too, Stace. And it just, like, seeing how that started, and I remember I was like, wait, I think they're related. They have the same last name. And, like, I obviously got closer to Michelle first through youth ministry because we were in small groups together. And then now it's just like, 
I can't even picture how you guys I can't even picture how that dynamic was anymore how you guys were so like polar opposites and running away from each other all the time <laughs> now you guys are just like two peas in a pod in a sense I think it's also because uh, Paulina, who is my my sister's age, and she does have the same last name as us, like everyone thought they were related. And Mm. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, that's kind of crazy because I didn't really, I only knew you through altar serving. Yeah. But after that, it was, that was it. (laughs) I I was thinking as um, each of you were were sharing about it, this last Sunday, the gospel referred to Jesus calling the disciples. And Alfred, although I wasn't a part of the Zoom call at that point, I know he talked about being invited to become a part of the very first peer ministry group. And his, his example, though, I thought was interesting that people after, that came the years after that, they had an experience of knowing what Emmaus or peer ministry was like because they've seen people before whereas Alfred being a part of the very first group he had nothing to judge it on so he wasn't sure wait what am I getting into yeah and I think for us there's a sense though that that happens each and every year like Miley you were talking about Marges and I think and it's bound to happen but sometimes we measure ourselves up against other Emmaus and say, am I good enough? Can I do what they do? Um, and I, I hope and pray that the message that gets across is that you only need to be yourselves, that you can't try to be somebody else because that's not true for you. Um, and the other thing that I th- I've heard only because in a coordinator's role from the past, you know, I've, I've heard things that people have said is like, oh, well, Emmaus is not like it used to be. You know, I, every year I would hear some of that. And my response when people have asked me, oh, how's Emmaus? It's like, it's exactly how it's supposed to be. I, it's not a comparison of year to year. The people that are in it are, are blessings to me, to the program. And I focus on that year rather than you know, say, oh, our year was better. It's like, what is that based on? I, I don't, I've never really entertained that question to a point where I think about it a lot because to me, it just doesn't matter inside. Um, and I, I think the other thing is that when we look at the, even at the disciples, I think Collins, you were just saying about how um, you know, there were people in Emmaus that you really didn't think you would ever be connected to if it wasn't for Emmaus. Right. Um, I think that rings true with the Gospels, too. When you look at the disciples, these are a bunch of people, and I'm not going to say guys because it was more than guys, it was women, too. But these are a bunch of people that were called and invited and welcomed for who they were and not for their notoriety or, I mean, heck, we, we see Jesus calling Matthew a tax collector who people hated to the core. And yet he was called to say, I want you to be a part of us. And that that's all any of us are called to do is just to be a part of something, be a part of, and the old uh, title for Christianity even was called The Way. So to be a part of The Way was was something that um, continues down through 2,000 years of tradition is, is just the continual invitation. And the, the Gospels are just full of failure. That's what that's what faith, that's what ministry is all about, is failing but getting back up and trying again. I think so. for, for me, Jim, what always kind of stuck with me throughout uh, my time in Emmaus and even now in Confirmation is a saying that Jesus didn't call the qualified, he qualified the called. And that, and wait, I just need to make, I quoted Jim, I win something, I win an award for that. (laughs) Cause I quoted Jim and I got it right. Um, On the first try too. On the first try, this is great. I have to do take two. Um, But like, 
when you were talking about that and and every time you didn't speak of that it was that was kind of like my humbling moment in a maze and i don't think any one person that starts their journey in Emmaus ever feels qualified to be the leader and put the shoe on the other foot of leading because we're all sitting there going, this is a lot of people that are looking at me and staring at me and and you feel like you're being judged, but at the same time is they're just just as scared as you are. No, but I think too, at the same time, there's people that are sitting there listening, saying, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I want to do that. And yeah. yet, it isn't until maybe you're invited to say, hey, I recognize that you have something within you that you can offer to other people, that that comes out. So it isn't just about you know, you being afraid of them and them being afraid of you, but I think there's also a sense of, hey, I want to do that. I can do that. I was thinking back to, Miley, your first meeting as an Emmaus leader, because I think we were in a planning group together. We were. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was, it came up as like a Facebook memory, and because I think, Jim, you tagged us in it. And then I, I totally forget some of those things. Like, uh, and when people bring it up, I'm just like, whoa, like that was your first meeting. And then to see the growth in people, like it, it's like wow like I don't know it's crazy because like for me when I see it like I, I just feel so inspired and touched that like these people have grown like so much you know kind of lost my train of thought but like that was the first thing that popped up when you, you were saying that because as an older Emmaus and when you're trying to help uh, new Emmaus with planning group stuff you know little things like um, what am I supposed to do on the mic? Or like, is is this okay if I say this or that? And I was like, yeah, just go with whatever you feel. I remember feel. back in time when we, like, I think I was there when the first youth ministry meeting required to use a microphone because the group had just gotten so astronomically large in one in one meeting that we it was we were all like uh what do we do how where do we, we we have a sound system but how do we use it and i i remember frantically trying to figure it out and it's now you can't get away with the youth ministry meeting without a microphone mm-hmm. yeah and it just shows how much growth has happened within the program and within all these people that have gone through it I think one of the things that comes full circle, and you'll understand this when I say this, is that, you know, we start, everybody starts out beginning youth ministry, being nervous, kind of trying to feel their way around, um, and then slowly become a little more confident in themselves and leading and doing things. And the nervousness comes back when it's time to do your senior panel. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it does. Don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, and, and the reason I bring that up is because that's, for me, always one of the v- very proud moments of seeing young people go from joining youth ministry, going through youth ministry, confirmation, peer ministry, and then to a point where wanting to share your life and your faith with other young people, but the moments before that, the terror and the fear oh that God, resides. The terror. And, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, because I've always said, and I'm sure I said to you, if, if you weren't scared, if you weren't nervous, you wouldn't care. True. It would be no big deal. It's like, whatever, I'll just say what I say and I'm done with it. But great care and great time is given to those Um, and that to me the whole thing comes full circle yeah it really does like just I remember my senior panel I, I was I was terrified beyond belief that I forgot my symbol oh and I don't think I ever told Jim this but I actually 
literally forgot my symbol. So I spent most of the break trying to find a symbol. And now I can't even remember what the symbol I used was. <laughs> I remember everybody else's symbol that was on panel with me. But I was just, I was just like so frantic and like trying to find out what I was going to do. Because it hit me like, it hit me like a dang bus. Just, I had to talk in front of people. What? Hold on. Wait. I, didn't, I wasn't signed up for that. And I, oh man. Talk about terror. Just, ugh. It was just such a eye-opening experience but well usually well you know with the retreat schedule and i'm not giving away any secrets to young people who haven't been on retreat yet but we usually do the um senior panels talk on saturday nights um we've done one on a friday <laughs> with the young lady sitting across from me miley Hello. um <laughs> And one I'll always remember, but I'm I'm gonna let her talk a little bit about what was the symbol you used. So the symbol I used, if anyone listening knows what this is, is an EKG, and I hadn't shown it to the people listening yet, but I was describing the highs and lows of my faith journey, um, because if you look at an EKG, you see the highs and lows of, of the heartbeat and. To know that you're alive, to know that you are following this faith journey in the best way that you can, you have to go through the highs and lows. And so when I turned that around and after I was done describing those highs and lows, you could see that that is what makes life what it is and what keeps it going is the highs and lows. And you getting through that is the journey itself. That was good. But <laughs> whose EKG was it? I thought you had told me one time that was somebody's EKG. I might have, but I don't exactly remember okay. right now. That's okay. That's all right. I, I just I remember that symbol because, one, it does signify the, the ups and downs of a faith journey, but also the significance of this is what li- how life is measured, you know, and... And it can change at any moment that we, uh, you know, that that a EKG is is being run on a person. So um, I thought that was one very symbolic, but also um, really an example of thinking outside the box. Of in a, a sense of it, it was, it was different. It wasn't a tangible thing that you know I'll hold up my phone and say. Hey, this is my symbol. You know, it, it really made people, th- and I I thought it really made people think about it. So, I remember sitting in the back during your panel, just wanting to go like this and just like snapping with my fingers, like that was deep, that was just great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the other thing I remember is that we did the rest of the panel talks on Saturday, mm-hmm. and oh, the group did. that did it thought. I gotta follow that. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, and and all of those panels were equally as good, and it was just like, and talk about full circle that I was truly it just speaks words when you're able to be like you said, say, be an older Emmaus member and see the growth and see how it just how one little thing that you might have said when on a Monday night really affects other people. And I feel like that that's what this ministry has always been about. Well, I, I think I ask that all the time too of um, people when they're giving their panel talk or about to and say, can you remember someone on your retreat who gave a panel talk? And more often than not, they can. And I think that that again speaks to me in the sense of everybody has something to say it's and we never know what it is that's going to touch somebody else Um, but people sitting there on retreat listening to those who are giving their faith journey talk um, touch people in a way that they say again i want to do that someday i want to do that Um, 
and how I'm going to get to that point right now, I don't know. But suddenly people find themselves Saturday night, shortly before. Well, shortly <laughs> before, and, and really, I think it, it just, everything is brought into a point of, not closure, but a point of, of realizing that this was all coming to the point of, this is who I am right now, and I want to share that. You know, when you talk about like sharing yourself, I can't really remember who was doing the senior panel talk during my retreat, but I remember the impact that my small group leader made, and mm -hmm. that mm. was uh, Mike Coloma. And I had the privilege to having him as my confirmation retreat leader too. So I felt like I've built like this relationship with him where like, I really looked up to him. I still do. Like he's anytime I see him, I'm just like, whoa, like Mike. And uh, we had an inside joke and it was like Doritos. And like, I don't even know why we called it Doritos, but it was just so funny at that time. And now he has his own kids. And like when they whenever they see me, they he refers to the, or he tells them, oh, it's Auntie Stacy. And I'm like, what like <laughs> I'm like how am I Auntie Stacy like you're like I'm like you're the person I look up to like they don't I didn't want yeah. that like responsibility but then at the same time it's because he knows like how much it's instilled like being a part of the program and how much it's impacted and he would want that same impact the impact that he made on me for me to be able to like pass that on to other people so mm. I was like wow like that's really cool and thinking about the my own experiences and like how being involved through the program has impacted like my relationship with God I started really seeing people or seeing God in people and in moments where I felt like oh man like how am I gonna get through this you know like I'm really struggling and somehow God like sends people or like there's like certain talks I'll have with people and I'm like wow, I really needed to hear that. And sometimes it's like brutal honesty and all that. And I don't know, sometimes I felt like, man, I have to like let my pride go to be able to take in what God's trying to tell me. And it's been a, a learning process, but then I think a big part of it is just being open to that. And before I didn't think that's what my faith would be. Like, I just thought it was like, oh, let's go to CCD, read a book, you know, do the sacraments, and you're done. But then going through youth ministry, it, it became really, um, I'm not sure if this is the right word, like experiential, you know, instead of being like something that was strictly on a, on a like, this is how you do it, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of along the line of, of like when I was at, in college, especially at USF, taking a theology class didn't necessarily teach me faith. But as Miley and I were talking the other night, even about it, you know, there's a sense of, of learning and understanding doctrine versus catching. So I, I think I could see religion can be taught, faith can be caught. You catch mm. faith and you it, that's what holds on sometimes. I guess how would you sh share like um, your experience and your involvement through the program? How has that either shaped your faith or impacted your relationship with God? I think for me, um, growing up <clears throat> in the spotlight of Mass didn't allow me to have that experience I felt like I was in a cycle of just being the doctrine part of Mass, where I was just like, oh, it, okay, there's a sacrament, it's in the air, bow your head, you know, and the rules and the rubric of everything, that's what I thought faith was. And as I grew into my ministry, I realized and I truly caught more of the faith and now I know that God can sometimes be a bully, but sometimes he can also be your best friend. 
God will give you things that you truly, that he only he knows you can handle throughout everything that you do and everything that you're given in life. Nothing will measure up to God's belief in you. And that is emulated in the relationships and the people that he puts in your life. Because there are times where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be... I don't want to be in a in ministry anymore. And he turns you around and says, nope, you're right back in it. You're staying there. I use, I look at that example in, in the sense of my line of work. I work in the funeral industry. And so many times, so many times, I've tried to leave the industry and I've told myself, no, it's too sad of an industry. I can't do this. I can't, I can't work in the funeral industry. Yet, Every single time God puts me in a position that says, no, you're actually, this is where you belong. And he, he puts you in situations that allow you to identify that you belong in that position. Mm. And that's for me has just been, that's why I say God is a bully sometimes because you're just like, why are you making me do this? This is not cool. And then he sits there and gives you moments where you truly will never forget. This experience that we're talking about is truly an experience of this community. And I think the way that it's impacted me is the ways in which everyone in this community has extended me an invitation to walk with them and and by extension to walk with God, right? And so... I say that these are small invitations because I think as a teenager, I I wasn't always open to that invitation, right? And so it took a lot of small invitations for me to get the message, okay, you're welcome to walk here with us. You're welcome to be in this space and you're called to serve. And for the longest time, that's not something I like easily accepted. But by that extension of these small invitations, I was able to become more comfortable with that calling and And then by that, with my role as a person of God. And those small invitations are what strengthened my relationship with myself, which made me more open to welcome God into my life. So sometimes, I guess, the community will will give you these small invitations, but you have to look for them. You have to be open to seeing them. And then you have to actively accept the invitation. And I think I've taking that away to even now in in post-grad life there are going to be small opportunities there every step of the way and and god will god has the strangest ways of (laughs) of of reaching out to you you have to be very diligent in 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 accepting those calls i was thinking as both of you were saying that that those invitations aren't issued just once they come continually, but it's true. It's up to us to recognize what those are. And, you know, I, I go back to the Gospel of John and the invitation of when the disciples ask Jesus, where do you live? And he doesn't say um, two blocks down and over by a quick stop. He says, come and see. And that's the invitation of the Gospel. That's the invitation of today of ministry and of experiencing Jesus in our lives come and see maybe not now but when it's right for you those invitations come and see and decide for yourself I think the other um, you know I, I think Miley you just said you were talking about those small invitations helped with realizing through your relationship with yourself that's the very first theme we have on retreat on Friday night is relationship with self. And then think about it. It takes us through self, through others, through family, and through God. That is encompasses everything we have in life. You know, there's nothing else, I mean, other than material goods. But as far as the gifts that God gives us through people is through self, through others, friends, family and God 
And I think to be able to introduce that thought in a very superficial way at first on the, on the retreats, but then as those expand, I think that the opportunities, those invitations continue to come and we understand the invitations a little bit more as it challenges us maybe to go a little deeper each time into, hey, you know, what, what is it about this? You know, and there's a twofold thing, Collins, what you said about God being a bully. Uh, but the, there's also the in, incredible sense of unconditional love yeah. that, and free will that um, we are gifted with. I'm looking at my questions here. Share any, okay, we're going to have to shorten this a little bit because this is a long episode. Any memories that either of you want to share from the program? There's just so many, but oh, I'm, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it short. Um, I think one of my most cherished memories, oh, actually, it's not even, it, it's not a memory that's just been one time. It's a memory of the years, of my years in the program. I was always, I guess, nominated by Jim to be the one to go down to the main gate and welcome people to the retreat center. And it was always a time for, uh, it was basically usually just me and Jim. And I think one year we did bring someone down and we regretted it. And I think that person was Ariel. Um, we regretted it. And, um, <laughs> and all those years of having kind of that one-on-one -on -one time with Jim mm. and especially because for most of my time in Emmaus, I was on staff at St. Anne's as a sacristan. So Jim, you were you were kind of like, actually you were my boss in that sense. So I always had that like, okay, he's the boss, I have to listen to what he says mentality. But then there was that dynamic of our relationship. And then there was those retreat moments where mm. we honestly took bets of how many people would get lost coming back to the exit gate <laughs> after thoroughly, thoroughly explaining, don't go all the way to the gate. Make her to left. Go down that driveway. Slowly go down the driveway and you'll see us back here. And it's just, and these are two people that have like had kids in the, that, are, that are now bringing their kids to the program after they went to the program. So it's just like been a great time to be able to spend that hour, two hours waiting for people in the blistering cold sometimes, but having the, that time to really bond and have that connection, Jim, mm -hmm. was one of my most cherished. As long as you brought gloves. As long as I brought gloves flashlight. and a flashlight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, the things I think of are, are the retreats also. But I think also coming to Sunday Youth Mass are some of my favorite memories. And I know that in this current setting, that's not possible. And even Monday nights are not um, as they usually are. So I would say embrace every moment that you have with people. And I know it's not ideal right now for those of you in the program right now. But embrace the, the small groups that you're in. Embrace the questions that you're posed to. And try to give it your all because it is what you put into it. And while you might not have the same experiences that Collins and I, or Stacy, and all of us have had in the program this year, you can actively embrace what you do have. I'm glad you said that, because mm -hmm. it is, I mean, it's entirely different being on Zoom and not having people run through the office all the time and all that, but God is still actively working through each and every person in the program, um, mm -hmm. despite the the struggles and, and you know everything that goes with this with this pandemic, um, is that we're all in this together, and that God is certainly working with us, through us, in us. I think for me, when it comes down to being a part of the program, uh, I love being able to create those like inside jokes with people <laughs> or like have those like random memories where you could just kind of laugh about it or Stacy fell again okay oh, oh my gosh 
or have rules made after you, right? Because, all right, my memory is um, I tried to scare people at the retreat center, and I thought, let's take a shortcut and jump out the window from the main room. <laughs> Except I didn't realize that there was this hole outside of the window. I fell into the hole and got hurt, and I was, like, limping around the main house, and everyone was like, Stace, what's wrong? I was like, I tried to jump out the window, <laughs> and I got hurt. And then that became a rule for retreat. And, like, since that moment, no one lets that go. And it, every time we come down to, like, the agreements, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Okay. One of the number one rules, go through doors, not windows, Stacy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think that like rule's mainly for you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. But uh, one other memory was... Uh, the time that we were, I think it was me, Jim, Jeffy, and Sharice, we were in the kitchen trying to figure out how to <laughs> light the oven or like the pilot light. And the crazy thing was, we're just like, oh, you should be able to just like turn the knob and then it'll light up and all that. And we needed to start cooking stuff for brunch. And we were like the four oldest that was on retreat. And all of a sudden, right when mm. I think we tried to light using a lighter you just heard the boom <laughs> and the the crazy part was like i was on the other side of like this uh like almost a kitchen island and i felt that impact from the gas buildup and like if something worse than that would have happened i'm not sure if who on the wait i was the on retreats. this retreat was this your senior year yeah oh my gosh yeah it so blew it blew up and I don't know. That was like the scariest moment, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like, I remember Jeffy's face was not too far from the stove, yeah. And oh I gosh. was, I wasn't far off, but, and I felt it go through my chest. So yeah, that was pretty. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we're here to talk yeah, about it. Thankfully, we're able to just kind of laugh about it, but be also like thankful that nothing worse happened because. Yeah. I so just, shout out to Auntie Esther for making you, all Esther. the retreats yes. <laughs> <laughs> where where we didn't have to cook. <laughs> That's true. I guess as we like wrap up this episode, um, what's what's one thing that either that you took away from being a part of the program that's impacted you, and like what's one thing you wish to that other people would take from it. For me, I'm going to read directly from my notes on this one because I, I thought really hard about this question. Um, God works in mysterious ways, and you can never tell when he will put you in a situation that he prepared you for, or without you even knowing you were being prepared for it. Once in Emmaus, always in Emmaus, St. Anne's is my home, and that I will always be welcomed back to. For me, if there's something I could tell any of you, listening would be to not let the perception of yourself get to you when you joined St. Anne's Youth Ministry or when you joined Emmaus and you decided to walk this way of life and you signed an agreement don't let that don't let that get the best of you there's going to be mistakes you make along the way and the point of making those mistakes is to learn if you have any shred of doubt in yourself I would say give that to God Give that to the people in your community because they're there for you. And you have us here. Always remember that. One of the biggest things that I took from being a part of the program is understanding like Stations at the Cross, which is kind of funny because I never really understood it. And there's one particular station that hits me all the time, and that's when Simon carries Jesus' cross. And for me, that symbolically just shows that if if Jesus was able to let others help him like why can't I do the same and that really put into perspective of letting other people love you you know and just being able to give it your all when you can carry other people's crosses for them too and that's made a huge impact in my faith and even in my relationships with people you know whether it's we're like super close or maybe it's a stranger like there's always those opportunities to be to be able to carry the crosses for others and i i, I think the um, 
important thing for me is always to remember that before I can be well, I'll say it this way: when I was in high when I was in high school, if we had had a youth ministry program when I was in high school, I would have been too scared to come because I was such an introvert in high school, and basically still am. I, I think the job forces me not to be, but if it was my preference, sitting off observing would be my preference. So I think over and over again, I, I know I continue to say the word invitation, but I, I know how important that is to me in my own life, to be invited to be a part of something versus I'm not gonna go out of my way to be a part of something. People, if I know that people want me to be a part of something, that means so much more. So I, I think the importance, I think sometimes we forget this in church, is that we expect people to come to us. You know, that's basically what the setup of mass is. We're at, we have a 10 o'clock mass. <laughs> come to us. Whereas Jesus's ministry was about going out to the people to where they were. Um, and that's never lost on me, the idea of inviting people to come and see or me go to where they're at and experience in, in their own atmosphere, their own environment, how important that is. So. Wow, that was like a lot um, for this episode, but I really appreciated all of it. And as we wrap up, we are inviting Collins and Miley to lead us into our closing prayer. So whenever you're ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, Please bless the company that you have gathered here today. Thank you for the shelter of a warm place to have this podcast. Thank you for our faith journey. Thank you for sharing your love with us through this ministry of Emmaus Confirmation, God and Company, this new ministry that we're embarking on. You have the unending power to show us the way, and we are ever more grateful that the way is to follow you. Amen. 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 Boom, mic drop. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're not done. Oh. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> no, we'll just leave it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's okay. Well, we want to thank Miley and Collins for joining us today in, in the first episode of uh, St. Anne Youth Ministry Confirmation Emmaus Alumni episodes. We look forward to future opportunities and speaking with others in their own experiences. But for each of you, thank you not only for joining us today, but for everything that you've done as a part of the program, for everything that you continue to do, but most of all, for who you are. Before we close out this episode, we do have an announcement. St. Anne Youth Ministry Program is gonna offer hoodies. So if you were a part of the program or you've seen them, that's pretty much S-A-Y-M in like these block letters. It kind of looks like a college sweatshirt. And it's embroidered, and it says St. Anne Youth Ministry right below. If you follow the Instagram, we'll have updates there. So we'll let you know in the next, I think the next week, when we're going to start taking orders. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and be sure to subscribe to God in Company on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. New episodes are available Fridays at 2 p.m. And until our next episode, have a blessed and safe week. Take care.